You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is yeah. one o'clock here in Atlanta. Uh-huh. We are in American uh, America's Web Radio with the legend <laughs> David Moxley and Brett Woman, our engineer. How are you, David? Hi. Bien, gracias. <laughs> y tú? His Spanish is improving. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Brad. How you been? Hola. Hola. Well, oh, we man. have a lot of news and le- the, what is the name of this program? Let's talk Venezuela. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. for those one who doesn't remem- remember my voice, I am Josie Cruz, the famous and infamous Josie Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Carlos, David, and Brad, when somebody like me speak openly about communism, about socialism, about pretenders, Republican, you know, those yeah. ones who portray, portray themselves to be a Republican, but they are not Republican. When I am talking against those one who's been in the establishment for the longest and are messing our state, of course I begin from famous to infamous. <laughs> okay, and and um, and that's why I say that you know I am one of the vocals, Spanish vocal, big mouth here in Georgia, denouncing communism. Socialism, globalism, and every ism that is trying to control the American spirit, which is freedom, liberty for all. And that's exactly what the military uh, people in Venezuela mm-hmm. are denying to the Venezuelan people. Mm. Two days ago, do you know what happened? Yes, the, um, what is his name, Baduel? Baduel. Baduel. Baduel was one of the. Um, Baduel was uh, one of the right handers of uh, Chavez. Hugo Chavez. Yeah. Right Do hand. you remember in 2002 he was the general that saved so Chavez? He's the uh, one who brought him back. Yes. Yes. Mm, okay. And that's, and that's the way they treated him. And uh, not only that. He's weak. Yeah. This is the pay that he got? Yeah. After he put all these people in power? Uh, yeah. And this is the way that they pay him yeah, back? Yeah, he, he died in prison. And he died he, in prison. And he spent almost two years in uh, La Tumba. In Trump. La Tumba. The Tom. And they mm-hmm. said that he passed away with COVID. With COVID-19. Let me tell you something. <laughs> COVID-19 did more for the liberty of Venezuela, for freedom of mm-hmm. Venezuela, that anyone in Venezuela, unfortunately, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's the sad reality. But well, you know, wait a minute, but you know, the, um, anyone who's dying today, you know, they labeled that part, right? The, yeah. The yeah. Sickness, that pandemia mm-hmm. name. I yeah, don't, I don't yeah, like to, but... I don't but like the, to say the name, you know. The, the na- but the reality know. with him is that his family... No, 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 no. It wasn't like that. No, no, but that's so important. He and his family Mm -hmm. are responsible for what happens today in Venezuela. So when he accepted to be general in chief of Venezuela, okay, with those attitudes. When they when they were on power, mm-hmm. okay, it it doesn't matter. He's in the bin, in the trash bin of history, okay. But uh, in the next two um, uh, spaces segments, segments mm-hmm. we will 
hear a wonderful uh, thing about the genders. Uh, oh, okay. So, so you're going to have somebody uh, playing a little something for us? Yes, yes. It's okay. Well, um, okay, so what is that about? It's about that Venezuela mm -hmm. has more generals than the USA force, uh, armed forces, and Russia combined. Uh-huh. Okay? And they have more, they have 15 general of the, uh, of the nation. Mm -hmm. Okay? Let me explain you. That, that, that thing it's uh, like in the same level mm -hmm. of Dwight Eisenhower during World War II. What thing? That rank. The rank that the guy died? Uh, yes. He got the same rank as a high school uh, Howard when he was on, on charge back yes. in those days? Yes. And then they put him in jail? Yes. But why do they put him in jail? It's, it's just... It's what do they accuse him of? Treason. Treason of what? <laughs> Don't ask me, ask Maduro about that. But That's he helped out Maduro to put him in power. I mean, I don't get it. Well, don't ask me, ask Maduro. <laughs> 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 okay, it's one of the things that we have to, to do. Yeah, well, in the meantime that you're going over there, I'm going to keep on talking a little bit. We're going to switch a little bit about another news. Do you remember, um, we must remember what happened with the election in the last time, right? Around Nove around December. Um, around December, uh, we had um, the perfect election, but we're going to be talking about that later, right? Yeah, at the end of the program. Yes. Okay, let's go with the news, the number one. This news at Let's Talk Venezuela comes to you courtesy of the Red Alternativa. <laughs> The Alternative Capitalist Information Network. Look for us as a group on Facebook. And to the generous donations of listeners of this station, www.americaswebradio.com. Number two. Mm -hmm. Exclusive some 1,900 Colombian guerrillas operating from Venezuela, says Colombia military chief. An exclusive report by Luis Jamie Acosta, writing by Julia Sims Cobb, editing by Rosalbo Bryan. Bogota about 1,900 fighters belonging to Colombian rebel and crime groups are operating from Venezuela where they plan attacks and participate in drug trafficking, the commander of Colombia's armed forces said. The Colombian government has long said Venezuela's leadership grants safe harbor to Colombian armed groups, allowing trafficking of cocaine in exchange for a cut of the profits. But it is the first time the military has given a figure for the number it believes are operating from the neighboring country. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro has denied that Venezuela has provided safe harbor for drug traffickers. But he has expressed sympathy for rebels' leftist ideology and openly welcomed some guerrilla leaders. Around half of the 2,350 known combatants from the National Liberation Army ELN, rebel group are in Venezuela along with about a third of the 2,400 fighters who belong to dissident groups of former FARC guerrillas who reject a 2016 peace deal, General Luis Fernando Navarro told Reuters late on Wednesday. In total in the Venezuelan states of Zulia Takaira, Apure and Amazonas, we calculate there could be between 1,100 and 1,200 criminals from the ELN and some 700 from the FARC dissidents, Navarro said. It's a factor of instability that the strategic rear guard of these structures is in Venezuelan border states.
This obviously makes it difficult to combat them, said Navarro, accusing the Venezuelan armed forces of not pursuing the groups. The Venezuelan government did not immediately respond to a request for comment for this story. Colombia's internal conflict has stretched for nearly 60 years and led to more than 260,000 deaths. Though the demobilization of some 13,000 members of the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia FARC, under the 2016 Accord lead to a reduction in violence, some areas have seen renewed fighting as dissidents. The ELN and crime gangs descended from right-wing paramilitaries battle for territory. The violence often crosses the border. In Venezuela's northwestern Zulia state, a local government and a major employer were paying villagers including children to staff narcotics operations, extortion rackets and illegal gold mines, a Reuters report found earlier this year. Some 80 Venezuelans fight for FARC dissident groups, Navarro said, and some 180 for the ELN. Commanders from dissident group Segunda Marquetalia, including former peace negotiator Ivan Marquez, Hernan Dario Velasquez and Henry Castellanos are living in Venezuela, he said, as is ELN leader Gustavo Anibal Giraldo, known by his alias Pablito. The groups attack targets in Colombia and then melt across the border to evade authorities, Navarro said. One FARC dissident group has taken responsibility for two incidents in June a car bombing at a military base in the border city of Cucuta which injured dozens, and the shooting of a helicopter carrying President Ivan Duque. And see how messy is uh, the border in Venezuela. That's right. Okay, but it's not only the messing, it's uh, how the state um, leave or left the security mm -hmm. uh, duties for the Venezuelan people. Okay. Um, and that's part of the uh, structure, mm -hmm. of the co actual economic uh, structure in Venezuela, where the military are dedicated to other things. But, uh, but, but they, they're supposed to they're do. They're supposed to do. Let's uh, hear the second, the third uh, news, please. Venezuela to reopen border with Colombia after years-long closure. Reporting by Vivian Secra in Caracas and Angi Polanco in San Cristobal, Venezuela. Additional reporting by Luis Jamie Acosta in Bogota. Writing by Luke Cohen. Editing by Mark Porter, Aurora Ellis and Sandra Mailer for Reuters. Venezuela reopened its border with Colombia on Tuesday, October 5, Venezuelan Vice President Delcy Rodriguez said in a state television address, after a nearly three-year closure due to political tensions. Venezuela closed the border in February 2019, as the Venezuelan opposition, backed by Bogota and Washington, attempted to bring humanitarian aid into the country its land border with Colombia against the wishes of President Nicolas Maduro. Venezuela is suffering from a multi-year, hyperinflationary economic collapse. Venezuelan authorities at the time blocked the Simon Bolivar Bridge, one of the main crossings between the two countries, with shipping containers reading We Want Peace. They said the attempted aid shipment was part of a Washington-backed plot to overthrow Maduro. The opposition and its allies accused Maduro of rigging his 2018 re-election. Maduro, a socialist, says the election was clean and blames U.S. sanctions for Venezuela's economic crisis. Thinking of our people, in the brotherhood and cooperation between the people of Colombia and Venezuela, Maduro, has taken the decision to open the crossing for commerce, Rodriguez said. Trade between the two countries, which share a porous 2,219 kilometers, 1,379-mile border, 
once amounted to some $7 billion per year before the border closed, according to Freddie Bernal, a representative of Maduro's government in the western border state of Teixeira. Colombia's government, which does not recognize Maduro as Venezuela's legitimate president, closed the borders between the two neighboring South American countries in March of 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic. It reverted that measure in June 2021, a move that had not been matched by Venezuela until now. In a statement, Colombian President Ivan Duque said Maduro was pressured to open the border due to democratic resistance, a reference to Venezuela's opposition. He said the reopening would be an orderly process. Process. Well, again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> was Maduro the one who closed the the border and allowed the people in Venezuela not to receive uh -huh. all the international help? Yes, the the. Um, Do the you remember that incident? And then he complained about the blockade. Do you see the the the, para the, the paradox? The, yeah. the mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the actual Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Okay. After these messages, we'll be back with the, the root of all this mess. Let's take it away, David. Hi, this is Rocky Blair former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And this is... <laughs> Let's talk uh, Venezuela. Let's talk Venezuela. Well, during this segment, this is a very l large um, uh, report mm -hmm. from, an, uh, from an organization okay. that is investigating mm -hmm. the relationship among the people in power. Okay and corruption. Mm -hmm. People like ministers in Venezuela that has accounts in Panama or any places in the world. But the seed of the corruption is how they get that money. Yes. And this is the report of this organization for Let's Talk Venezuela. The 35 Club, How Venezuela Bought the Loyalty of Its Generals, a report by Midhat Kapitanovic for the anti-corruption and organized crime project, a third of the generals of the Bolivarian Army linked to companies authorized to do business with the government. 
Extreme food and medicine shortages, hyperinflation, political repression, and corruption scandals such a complex crisis could have brought more than one government to bear. But not Venezuela, where senior army officers have been rewarded for maintaining the status quo, even as the country sinks into a spiral of economic ruin. An investigation into the anti-corruption and organized crime project exposes the financial ties between the administration of President Nicolas Maduro and a clique of generals behind private companies that received lucrative state contracts and other benefits. For some analysts, these rewards are critical in ensuring loyalty to the Maduro regime amid a deteriorating political and economic situation. A series of internal documents of the Bolivarian army was the starting point of the investigation. A team of reporters then reviewed business and property records, both in Venezuela and in the United States. They also interviewed several officers with knowledge of general-related businesses. Before the government decided to eliminate much of the available information, we also had access to a complete copy of the 2017 National Registry of Contractors RNC. The documents reveal for the first time that, by 2019, Venezuela had 312 active generals in the army the most powerful branch of the Bolivarian National Armed Forces. Almost a third of these top officials are linked to companies authorized to do business with the government. Of these, 35 are partners or are on boards of directors of private companies that appear in the RNC. The investigation focused on this group. The project against corruption and organized crime baptized them as the Club de los 35. The Club of 35 is related to 41 private companies authorized to contract with the state. They were founded in 2004 and focus on key economic sectors such as construction, food, transportation and oil. In total, they obtained more than 220 contracts over the years. They have also been involved in activities as diverse as advertising, the sale of health equipment, the importation of toys, and tourism. It becomes a kind of military doctrine that some officers create a company, said Pedro Mendoza, a former lieutenant in the Bolivarian National Guard, another Venezuelan Bolivarian Armed Forces branch. The latter decided to leave his country in 2019 and crossed the border into Colombia. Mendoza described the attitude of the Maduro administration towards his generals as, You protect me, you keep me in power, and I give you the possibility of having economic benefits. The advantages of the club a closer look shows that the lifestyle of the 35 club members is incompatible with their salaries. The project against corruption and organized crime had access to payrolls of the Bolivarian army, which in Venezuela, are not public, and show that a lieutenant earns an average of $6.30 per month. In comparison, the salary of a general reaches only $8.90. As in the rest of the Venezuelan economy, the salaries of the military have been losing their purchasing power. According to the International Monetary Fund, Venezuela is the country in the world that, without being at war or experiencing a natural disaster, has suffered the greatest economic collapse in the last 50 years. In 2019, hyperinflation record of 9,585%. The proportion of the population living in extreme poverty jumped from 10% in 2014 to 85% in 2018. These low salaries, fruits of the economic debacle, created an additional incentive for officers to supplement their income with alternative companies. Explained Pedro Mendoza, the former lieutenant of the Bolivarian National Guard, who is now in Colombia, and whose austere haircut and firm stance are visible signs of his military past. What is perceived today by payroll, by basic salary, is not enough for anything, 
he said during the interview conducted in a chicken shop in the municipality of Villa del Rosario, which is only 10 minutes from the border with Venezuela. For this reason, the high officials have their businesses in parallel. The defense minister himself, General Vladimir Padrino Lopez, officially earned less than $8 a month in September of last year. But according to an investigation by the anti-corruption and organized crime project that is part of this series, Padrino has ties to a constellation of companies and properties in Venezuela and the United States worth several million dollars. One of the Club de los 35, General Hernan Nanton Noguera Mejia, is the one who concentrates the largest number of state contracts, 47. Through his catering company, the Association Cooperativa Andina de Festejos, organized a barbecue for 600 officials of CENIAT, the National Customs and Tax Service. In delivering patrols and motorcycles to regional police in the framework of the great mission A Toda Vida Venezuela, he rented tents and even palm trees for the ceremony. The company registered in 2010, just a month after he reached the rank of lieutenant colonel. Although according to leaked records, Noguera only earns about $9 a month, he posted information on vacations abroad on his Facebook profile, including trips to Italy, Spain, Israel, Malta, and Monaco. In 2010, he was on a Mediterranean cruise. Another member of the Club de los 35 is General Jesus Emilio Vasquez Quintero, the current Attorney General of the Military General Prosecutor's Office, an institution that has been linked to internal judicial persecution in the armed forces, and that even, how NGOs have denounced it. Human Rights has initiated lawsuits against civilians. In 2005 the El Tepui Cooperative Association was founded, in which he and his wife Tibise Villalobos appeared with 40% of the shares. The company obtained 41 contracts with numerous state institutions. For the 51 Brigade, Domingo Sifons repaired vehicle equipment and supplied hardware supplies. He sold refrigerators and medical equipment to the University Hospital of Caracas, one of the main health centers in the country. The Ministry for Culture bought Canon photocopiers from him, while the Ministry for the Prison Service bought hardware supplies from the company. He even delivered drums of degreasers for mechanical use and drums of dielectric solvent to the Venezuelan aluminum industry. The project against corruption and organized crime visited the four addresses of the El Tepui Cooperative Association that are listed in the National Registry. In one there was an auto parts store, another corresponded to a residential building, in another the company was not listed in the building's directory, while in the last the office that operates there was closed and there were no signs that the company was working there. Company under the Constitution and the anti-corruption law, it is illegal for public officials to use their position for personal gain, either directly or through an associated third party, such as a family member. That includes capitalizing on personal connections to obtain state contracts. There has been no will to review what is happening with those officers who are linked to a political sector and who handle huge amounts of money said human rights lawyer Alonso Medina Roa, who has defended several officers accused of rebelling against the Maduro government. The public official has to offer exclusive dedication, he cannot contract with the state, you cannot generate another type of commercial activity, he added. Family companies in some cases, evidence was found that generals created companies in the same economic sectors in which they operate. In 2011, when he began working in the presidential palace of Miraflores, General Jesus Rafael Villamizar Gomez became secretary and shareholder of the security company Association Cooperativa Segurated Y Protection Universal 1204. In 2016, 
He was appointed commander of the Special Brigade of Presidential Protection and Assurance, a key position after repeated reports of conspiracies to assassinate Maduro, General Villamizar did not answer the questions sent. However, when the headquarters of the company listed in the registered address was visited, a private residence was found. The unit's watchdog said that no company operates there, nor has it operated. Some of the members of the club of 35 included relatives in their companies to keep their business secret. We found at least five generals with relatives in key positions in their companies. General Alejandro Ramon Maya Silva, director of the Army General Commander's Office, is linked to two companies, Aquila Grupo Empresarial CA and La Grania Integral CA. The latter, involved in the agricultural business, was founded in 2017 when Maya Silva was already a general. Two of his sons are on the board of directors. Sestari's wife is also the owner of TCJ Inversions. This construction company has counted the Ministry of Defense, the National Airport and Port Development Foundation and Seniat himself among its clients. We send emails to all members of the Club of 35. Only two responded. The information of companies linked to the generals comes from the National Registry of Contractors. Defense, this is the first part of this, uh, of this report that is linked. Do you remember Veritas Project? Yeah, Veritas Project. Okay, here. this is a branch of, of Veritas Vene Project about Venezuela. About Venezuela. Oh my God. Okay, so we'll be back <laughs> after these messages. Take it away, David. Whether cruising the strip at a '57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a '71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser. You need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is David Donaldson with the Atlanta Healing Center, conveniently located in Lawrenceville, Georgia. At AHC, your success is our goal. Addiction recovery is about more than just not using. It's about becoming a whole person and addressing all aspects of your physical, psychological, and social needs. Please call us at 770-696-9862, or you can reach us on the web at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay. <laughs> I'm These sorry, people, I couldn't hold it. These people of the corruption and organized crime organization In investi investigation uh -huh. is linked with the people of Project Veritas in order to get the right information mm -hmm. that the normal media do not uh give us okay. they, they, they don't they don't talk about they don't talk about the regular so media not talking about this because talking about this is talking about joe biden and his son exactly <laughs> exactly that's why i couldn't help it's I'm the so same is the same structure i'm sorry you know, but i couldn't hold my my laughing <clears throat> right but yes but it, it reminds me what's going on in here you see everything went quiet after after uh, november the third you yeah. see, everything went down on the ground now. Yeah, Nobody's talking about no corruption, no nothing, nothing. 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 Is like and the results from the audit signals that mm -hmm. 
en Arizona, en Maricopa County, in Atlanta, in Fulton County, mm -hmm. we have a lot of corruption and is we have the grounds to declare mm -hmm. null the elections on both states. Okay, mm -hmm. but uh, that's another thing. We are now in Let's Talk Venezuela. And let's hear the second part of this very interesting investigation. investigation. Take it away, David. Until three years ago, a multitude of data was available to the public, including the address of the companies, the identity of the shareholders, partners and members of the board of directors, as well as details of the public contracts of said company. But in August 2017, the government severely limited the RNC's information, and it is no longer possible to know which people have ties to the contractor companies or which contracts they have obtained. Overnight, Venezuela became almost as opaque as an offshore jurisdiction. Government contracting is really a black box in Venezuela, there is no access, explained Andres Canizales, a researcher at the Andres Bello Catholic University and an expert on transparency issues. A copy of the complete database could be obtained, as it was just before being retired. The government stated that it took this action because the information in the registry was used by criminal gangs to extort money and kidnap. But Canizales said that the true objective of the decision is to prevent further investigations where in several cases the family ties of state contractors with senior officials had been revealed. The essence of Mandarismo the military foray into the Venezuelan economy began two decades ago, with the rise to power of Hugo Chavez, a former army lieutenant colonel who was elected president in 1998. Until then, after the 1958 military government ended, the armed forces carried out their usual missions such as national defense and control of public order. They were even forbidden to vote. Chavez promoted a new alliance, which he called Civic Military, and launched Plan Bolivar 2000 with a budget of $114 million, in which thousands of soldiers participated in public works such as the reconstruction of roads and remodeling of schools. Under the new constitution, which was approved at the end of 1999, the military was in charge of promoting national development and the president assumed the power to decide on the promotion of officers. After the failed coup in 2002, Chavez increased the participation of officials he trusted in managing the economy. Over time, senior military officials took control of five ports, as well as the state-owned Petróleos de Venezuela S.A., P. de Vesa, the main source of foreign exchange in the country. In 2005, the organic law of the armed forces came into force, aimed at strengthening civil-military integration. Civilians were even recruited into a new hybrid military body, the Bolivarian militias. In parallel, senior officials began to gain prominence in the business world. In 2005, records show, members of the club of 35 enrolled seven companies, more than in any year before or after. When President Maduro took office from him in 2013, following Chavez's death, he further expanded the role of the military in civilian life. In 2018, seven of the 23 governors of Venezuela are official, active, or retired. In addition, nine soldiers were part of his cabinet. The military also ran at least 60 public companies. Officials with economic interests are the essence of Madurismo, according to Javier Corrales, professor of political science and expert on Latin America at Amherst College in the United States. That is more important today than at any time under Chavez, and that Chavez was the inventor of the civil-military alliance of the 2000s, he said in an email. For Corrales, there are three types of melee entrepreneurs, 
those who run state-owned companies, serving in retired officers who have private companies that do business with the state, and military involved in illegal businesses. None of these groups are happy with a transition to a non-Chavista regime, says Corrales. Due to severe restrictions on conducting journalistic investigations in Venezuela, it is difficult to determine whether members of the Club of 35 were involved in corrupt practices. However, dissident officers who fled the country have recounted how companies of Venezuelan generals take advantage of public funds. Conditional Loyalty Before Harry Solano crossed the border into Colombia, he was a sergeant in the Bolivarian National Guard. But what he called endemic corruption, which he had to see firsthand when he worked in companies run by the military or in government programs, led him to organize the short-lived Cotiza armed uprising in January 2019. He says that at the Siderurgica del Orinoco, known as Sitter, the country's main steel complex, ordered to load corrugated steel rods, cabillas, to trucks that belonged to a general. The mafia with the rebar was impressive, Solano told in Cucuta, where we interviewed him, where he fled after the uprising failed. He explained that he took out the rods and the high official put them in his company and then sold and exported them. He witnessed similar schemes when he was an inspector for the Great Venezuela Housing Mission, a government project to build low-income houses, where he saw imported building materials from China looted. I began to see in the housing mission how resources were stolen, bars, doors, cement, they stole them to back at Quirsolo, resell it, to private companies. Rods came from China, main doors from China for houses, he pointed out. I tell you of the 100 tons of rebar that arrived at one point, one ton only went to the housing mission in Anzuataguay State. The 99 tons that were missing were lost, said the former sergeant. According to Solano, who was an escort for several generals, this type of corruption explains why high-ranking officials still support the government. If the regime falls, the officers stop receiving money. There is nothing ideological, everything is in the interest of money. Another former lieutenant who fled to Colombia and asked not to be identified for fear of reprisals against his relatives who live in Venezuela said that some generals who run housing programs create companies that later win public contracts with the different social missions. Loyalty to the Maduro regime is to obtain some benefit. I get benefits from the regime, and I am with the regime, he said. That's loyalty. That's why they don't turn around. Okay. Well, now you know. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's <laughs> show why, me the influence. Th that's why anybody that says that the armed force mm -hmm. will top off Maduro, socialism, or anything are just. They're lying. No, not lying, just saying BS. Yes. <laughs> of course. They don't know how is the the situation. They don't know how exactly. is the situation, even the, the own Venezuelan. Okay, so let me put it this way. Let me see. I'm going to ask you the question and you, you answer. So the job of a government is to provide conditions, right? Yes. To the citizens. Provide some condition for those citizens to develop, right? Yes. Themselves, the citizens, the people who live, the regular, the civil only, people. Only three, three aspects of the government belongs to the government. Okay. One is justice administration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Second is national security. Yes, okay. it has to um, do with the, with the um, borders and and, and police work that has to do with justice. Mm -hmm. Okay? And the third is the building of public works. Public work. That's it. Okay. 
the rest is BS. What Mr. Biden is doing right now with the $3.5 trillion is BS because it has nothing to do with the three aspects of the, the uh, function of the function government. Of the so, government. okay, so taking those three points in consideration, what Chavez and Maduro did, he implemented that only for the military. What Baduel did. Baduel. Baduel is the father uh -huh. of all this corruption. All this corruption in so, the military. Uh, so, why? So how, how many went to, 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 how many military high rank became like a secretary or ministers in, in, in a, in a, in, in a cabinet in that a has, cabinet. that has 12, uh, members. members. Uh -huh. Nine are military or former military. Oh my God. And remember this. Even though the, the military has some, Uh, master degrees mm -hmm. on something. Okay, they are, they are okay. not experts. They are two years, uh, two years of study on uh, business administration will not uh, makes you mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneur. Yeah, you know that's that's not the way it is. Mm -hmm. And we have rookies. <laughs> rookies managing the econ economy in Venezuela. We went from Federal Cámaras mm -hmm. to the military. And do you know something? Mm. That's that's what, well, as we said in Venezuela, pasamos de Guatemala a Guatepeor. So we were, we were in a bad situation and they became worse than the bad. That's that's one of the reasons that you see the implosion of the economic uh, the status in, in Venezuela. Venezuela that passed on a 10% uh, poverty mm -hmm. to 85% two years ago. Now it's over 90% of deep Poverty in that nation, the worst mm. economic decline in mm. history. history. Okay, and after these messages, we'll be back. Take it away, David. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, You need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Partido! Uh, yes. <laughs> Now... As you heard in the commercial break, mm -hmm. there is a big, huge difference mm -hmm. on the mentality of the military of mm -hmm. the United States and the mentality of the military in Venezuela. The, the military in the United States are formed mm -hmm. to protect and to serve. Mm -hmm. That's why... Um, and 80% of our police force 
has a, bag, a military background here in mm -hmm. the United States. Mm -hmm. Okay, they learn languages, they learn country, uh, culture, they learn a lot of things at the uh, private level, mm -hmm. as privates. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the mentality is huge. It's a big difference. In Venezuela, we have the hierarchy mm -hmm. um, mentality. The upper... It's the plantation mentality. It's the exactly. <laughs> the plantation mentality. And we will hear in the next two notes the consequences that we that Venezuela is uh, right now having because what Baduel and Chavez did 20 years ago. Número cinco, ¿no? Venezuela subtracts six zeros from currency. Second overhaul in three years. Reporting by Vivian Secra and Mayila Armas in Caracas. Writing by Brian Ellsworth and Luke Cohen. Editing by Rosalba O'Brien for Reuters. Venezuela on Friday launched its second monetary overhaul in three years by cutting six zeros from the Bolivar currency in response to hyperinflation, simplifying accounting, but doing little to ease the South American nation's economic crisis. The plan seeks to make accounting more straightforward at businesses and banks, where systems can no longer handle the huge figures. Venezuela's year-on-year -year inflation is 1,743%, according to the Venezuelan Finance Observatory. A minimum wage salary is barely $2.50 per month. Honestly, I think hyperinflation is too strong, this is already the third reconversion, said Alfredo Bojorquez, a 55-year-old selling drawings on a boulevard in eastern Caracas. This one will last three or four years, maybe less. President Nicolas Maduro's government in 2018 removed five zeros from the currency due to high prices. That came a decade after the late President Hugo Chavez subtracted three zeros from the boulevard with the promise of single-digit inflation, which was not achieved. The once prosperous OPEC nation is suffering a years-long economic crisis that has led millions of Venezuelans to emigrate. Maduro's socialist government blames U.S. sanctions for the country's woes, while critics assign responsibility to interventionist macroeconomic policies. The widespread adoption of the U.S. dollar for commercial transactions in Venezuela will further dilute the relevance of the new scheme. Bolivars in cash in Venezuela are rarely used for routine purchases. Many people on Friday were using dollars in cash for purchases in supermarkets, pharmacies, and stores selling school supplies and uniforms, Reuters witnesses said. Bank systems were functioning normally after an hours-long planned outage early on Friday morning as they converted to the new currency scheme. The economic imbalances in the country are very acute, and the zeros that are being removed today will soon return, said economist José Manuel Puente. The reconversion will have no impact in macroeconomic terms. No, that socialism insert money to to assist people create inflation they print money they print money okay. and they then and that way they create inflation mm -hmm. okay it's the same thing that Mr. Biden mm -hmm. wants to do here with the 3.5 trillion dollar okay mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we are working the same path that the Venezuelans did 20 years ago. 
It looks like they are following the Venezuela's footsteps. Yes. In every single uh, a strategy implemented. Yeah. Uh, the only difference is it's in English. Yes. But everything is the same as Venezuela. That's how, how I see you, it. You have, you have election where people vote but do not elect. Yeah, people you are voting but they are not electing, which, yes. which is two different things. Yes. Okay. The, the, you have uh, inflation created by uh, this kind of social helping. I remember quite well your proposal to the people. The best social program <laughs> is... A good, well-paid job. A good, well-paid job. That's so, the best social program. So, mm -hmm. so the people must be prepared when the opportunity comes mm -hmm. to get successful in whatever activity they are doing. Mm -hmm. Well, the second note is the following. Take it away. We're ignorant. Illiteracy haunts isolated Venezuelan village. In Venezuela's oil-rich Zulia state, fuel shortages have led to the collapse of public services and closure of schools a France press agency report by Federico Parra and Margioni Bermdez. Desks at the only school in the impoverished Venezuelan fishing village of Aloga are piled one on top of the other in a dark and dusty room. It has been four years since the classroom doors last opened at this remote school on the shores of Lake Maracaibo in the country's western Zulia state, and now the paint is peeling off the walls. And while the government has announced the reopening of schools closed for a year due to the coronavirus pandemic, Ologas will remain shut. Of my eight adult children, only one knows how to read and write. We are all ignorant. Fisherman Angel Villas Mill, 58, told AFP before flinging his net into the water. According to UNESCO, literacy in Venezuela is over 97%, but Ologa, home to 40 families, suffers from isolation. Eight years of economic crisis, including four years of hyperinflation, has decimated Venezuela's crucial oil production industry. And in oil-rich Zulia, fuel shortages have led to the collapse of public services and the increasing decline of villages like Ologa. Children aren't going to school because they closed, said Villas Mill as he laid out his catch while some of his 20 grandchildren played with oil-covered plastic debris on the lake's shore. Although the school was open during his youth, Villas Mill never studied. Now he sets out every day on his fishing boat, hoping to catch something to sell or feed his family. Teachers stranded school teachers used to travel to work by hitching free rides on fishing or tourist boats, but the fuel shortages made that impossible. The last remaining school teacher stopped going because of the fuel problem, said another local teacher on the condition of anonymity. Before then, teachers had to make do on salaries of less than $5 a month. Andrea, 12, remembers when she used to attend school on the crescent-shaped islet covered with mangroves and where the sounds of wild animals, such as tigrillos, small jungle cats, were constant. What she misses the most is playing with her classmates. They used to play on a swing they made from rope and wood and hung between fruit trees. I didn't learn to read, she says. Villas Mill's daughter, Maria, remembers her school years fondly. The teacher taught me many things, writing, reading, said the 21-year-old mother. I want my daughter also to learn. There are a lot of children here that want to study and can't do so because there's no school, she added, referring to her three-year-old Shira. Our lungs hurt. The closed school is far from its main problem in Ologa, a village where aging houses built on stilts. We don't have electricity. We drink water when it rains. For the rest, we have to take water from the river said Francisco Romero, 67. That water is highly polluted and often covered by a coat of oil escapes from the extraction centers in the northeast of the lake. Life has been tough recently for Romero and his nine family members living in a small house above the water. The house is filled with smoke of wood burned for cooking due to the lack of gas. Our lungs hurt, 
we have failures on every side. Fuel, electricity, water. The only fuel they ever see is when merchants arrive and try to exchange it for fish, rice, or cornflour. Many inhabitants left the area to put their children in school, but the national crisis forced them to come back, said Romero. Life inland is not the same as here where you can fish and eat. Inland, if you don't have money, you don't eat. What the consequences of 21 years of communism? Mm -hmm. People ignorant, people desperate, uh, borders close and a, a hyperinflation, and it's not a good prospect from people that swears to protect the country as the military did you well, last you last uh, where we are uh, we are going down go. the set see you next week see you you're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com thank you for listening